Hello. Welcome. We are the intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're, and we're revving, revving up. up. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Revving Up. We're so glad you're here watching, listening, and being part of this important conversation about what Unitarian Universalist intern ministry and religious leadership is all about from the front row seat. So um, it's good to see you, Megan. And I think today we wanted to talk about self-care for people growing in their religious leadership, as well as how to make ministry sustainable for the minister. Yeah, and I want to just uh, share right off the bat that for a long time, I really struggled with this terminology around self-care. And I think that part of that had to do with the, um, just like as we do in a capitalist society, the commodification of self-care. It's like, oh, here's this scented candle and this, this and that, like we've been sold once self-care became a thing that people were paying attention to, um, the industries began to like market things to us to sell us items that we like convincing us that we would need these things in order to properly do self-care. So I think I was feeling for a, a while a kind of rebelling against this whole idea of self-care from that perspective, but also from the perspective of it seemed so selfish or something like that. And um, one of the things that helped for me to click over in my mind, um, and then partially this is because I'm a religious person, but when I started to think of it as spiritual practice. And so I did, you know, I do have spiritual practices and I recognize that those are also self-care, right? And so now I'm not like, it was like this weird kind of transition period into being like, okay, and now I'm okay with saying self-care again. <laughs> but I think that is just, I just wanted to kind of like put that out there and admit that, <laughs> that I had some issues with that and some growth around um, growing into self-care and, and self-care as spiritual practice, or for those who, you know, aren't thinking of it as a spiritual practice, that's okay too. Um, and also recognizing that there are a lot of ways to do self-care that don't involve having to buy things to have the perfect setup for self-care. Um, the perfect meditation pillow or, you know, the, the right yoga mat. I mean, it's helpful to have a good yoga mat, but like also you can just do yoga like on your floor or in the grass or in the sand on the beach, you know? So there's a lot of um, ways in which we're sold these items. And so I just wanted to like, let us release from those uh, pressures um, to do it right by having the right items. Thank you for lifting that up. That is so important. Um, for me, things like 
Um, looking at the sky every day can be self-care. Or, um, you know, when I meditate, my cat will suddenly decide that it's time for me to pet her. So it's not, I, I really try to embrace whatever those moments are. Um, and it, there is a spiritual component. There's an emotional component. There's a physical component to all of these things. And for me, I think about it as how do I keep myself, my spiritual well, my emotional well full so that I can minister to others? Um, because it's really um, important, um, that boundary between what is caring for my own stuff and where am I seeking help to help with that stuff and who am I helping with similar stuff and so I um, as I went through my chaplain training a lot of our work was understanding that that self um it's a d word I can't remember it but differentiation yes that um keeping my stuff my own stuff understanding when I am seeing my stuff in the other person and keeping that separate and then being um, just taking a step back and um, just figuring out what's their stuff, what's my stuff and making sure they don't like slop over on each other. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you were saying, Carrie, about the um, uh, filling your own spiritual well in order to be able to um, you know, be a, a presence, a pastoral presence um, our spiritual leader for others. And this is something that I learned actually prior to really being in, in this um, in this intentional ministry development formation phase was I learned it through um, activism. So when I was involved in different in social justice issues and with different social justice activist groups and all of my friends were <laughs> activists and it was just kind of like my world. One of the things I recognized is the high level of burnout that would happen. Um, and also that people would stay in it after they were burned out and probably needed to like, you know, like take a break and recharge, fill their battery, refill the cup, whatever metaphor one might use for that. And something I learned, um, about, I, I, I really appreciated about this is that when um, it's, it's, it is important to not wait until your battery is empty to then do the things that you need to do to recharge it, but rather a continual maintaining, maintain, maintaining of and maintenance of spiritual care and self-care to keep yourself um, recharged or full um, because waiting until you're completely depleted and then rebuilding it's I think it's very hard on one's spirit and one's body and you know emotionally to be having those kinds of really um, high highs and low lows and putting yourself in the position of getting completely depleted so much so that 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 you have to completely like completely disengage and sometimes never come back because and, of that. And sometimes die. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are talking health, serious health issues mm -hmm. if, if this goes neglected. Um, mm -hmm. One cannot put others first at the expense of one's health. That's, mm -hmm. um, there have been people who have unfortunately died from that. So mm -hmm. 
it's a big deal. And, um, it's not for me, it hasn't been, Oh, I just have to do this for my self care, my spiritual practice or whatever. I think part of formation is figuring out what those things are in the first place and experimenting with it. And also understanding that what works at one point in your life may not work in other parts of your life. So, and also it's really important, not just for the stuff that's centered around my own behaviors, but it's also our communities that we live, that we, that we build around us. Or as I've heard one of the Meadville professors mentioned, our posse, who is our posse? Who, who supports us? Who do we go do fun things with? Who do we call when we have a sticky situation? Who do we just call to laugh with? I mean, all of these people and, and also professionals like spiritual director and therapist and your doctor and um, where are you going to church where, um, you know, all of these things are super important. So it's not just something you do yourself. Mm-hmm. It's something it's community. And one of the things I've really loved about seminary is we are learning how to build community and how if we want to make change in the world, because we are being built as change makers, right? Change leaders. And it's not a thing that I do myself. I do it with others. And um, so all of these things are super important. Um, It reminds me when I first started seminary, it was months after my husband died, who was also in seminary. And I think some of his lack of self-care practices did eventually lead to his death. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I came into seminary, I was very intentional about what is my stuff? What do I need to do to make sure that my grief, um, my emotions, um, that I'm really doing what I need to, to address them. And so any Anytime I'm trying to minister to other people, I am, I am maintaining boundaries. I've done, I'm doing my own work. Um, so I had a chaplain and spiritual director who was helping me with that. I was going to therapy um, and my, my sister, I talked to her a lot. And so I, I built this support structure so that I wouldn't be bleeding all over the people that I ministered to and also my se- fellow seminarians because as, as budding seminarians, we love to minister to each other and that's not always <laughs> appropriate. So um, yeah, so it's just, um, I cannot under specif- understate how important this is. And it's also, as seminarians, I know that I don't have it all in place when I start and it will be a constant, um, not a struggle, a constant task to recalibrate, figure out what I need to do, um, listening to my body to figure out what I need, um, all of those things I'm just learning how to do. Isn't that interesting that, and, and I, I love that we are still learning and that it, that's part of who also who we are as Unitarian Universalists is this like um, really um, explicit recognition that humans continue to learn and grow and change over the course of our entire lifetime, which is why we have lifespan religious education. Um, It's not just for little kids. It's like we have it for all of us because we are all learning and growing and changing and transforming and that, you know, revelation is not sealed and, you know, things we, we, we will discover and change and grow this and this 
piece around um, self-care, I think is such an important, like what you brought up about, um, about our health and it's, you know, it's emotional health, it's mental health, it's physical health and communal health. And I, I had an image come to mind when you were talking, Carrie, about like the community and how we're all in this together. And it's not just like, it's not just me who does this thing, you know, like um, valuing the we over the I. Um, I just was reading Braiding Sweetgrass um, by Robin Wall Kimmerer, which is something that I hadn't read before, but every, you know, I've never, I haven't had time. Everybody keeps talking about how great it is. And so I have this little break between the end of the semester and before CPE starts. So I was like, I'm going to start trying to read this book. And very early on, um, she talks about something that I think that maybe Adrienne Marie Brown also brings up who we have mentioned before, which is this idea of the, of trees, um, I mean, she's specifically talking about trees, but I think it happens with other living organisms too um, in nature, but that they communicate with one another and that they support one another. And she talked about this Robin Hood effect of like when um, a tree it has an overabundance of resources that, um, that, that like it gives some of those resources through its roots to other trees. Um, and I just think that's amazing. And thinking about the way that that, like how might we apply that in our communities? And so, um, so what would that look like around, around self-care? I'm not sure, but I'm curious. Well, I think a good, like a, a good romantic relationship is like that. Um, there's the model that each person gives exactly the same amount, which isn't realistic because sometimes one person is going through a challenge and needs support from the other one and um vice versa i mean even with with my roommate you know sometimes they have a lot going on and i make them dinner or something and and mm -hmm. sometimes they'll listen to me kvetch about something and so it's it a friendship a relationship is not a um quid pro quo kind of thing it's we hold each other up Mm -hmm. when we need it and on the other hand when we can recognize that that a, a relationship or like dynamics in a community have gotten to the point where um say like for instance as we're talking about religious leadership say there is a leader who is just only giving 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 and not getting any there's not a reciprocal there's not a give and take um then that's an unhealthy an untenable situation. So recognizing that 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 does and can happen, and so how do we then um, correct for that? Um, right. With um, U.S. society so um, focused on individualism and productivity and perfectionism, I think all of those uh, play out in difficult ways in our congregations sometimes. So we have. And, and also ministers, um, there's, the, there's this culture of doing, feeling like I'm the only one who can do something. Mm -hmm. um, so I, have, I struggle and I keep doing it and I keep doing it and I keep doing more and more and I don't wanna let other people do it. And um, so it just becomes a real problem. Whereas I think a lot of congregations, at least we're learning this in seminary, how important it is this leadership development model 
um, this culture of mentorship. If I'm if I'm the board president, for instance, I'm making sure that I'm bringing people up who can do the work, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sharing the work and shared ministry. I think we've talked about that in previous episodes as well. Um, I've really valued in my time at Community Church because I've been able to minister with you and with um, the senior minister and the assistant minister. And that's been really powerful to understand. It's really helped me shift myself. I mean, I have more work to do being of the culture and everything, but this, this shared ministry model. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that that can help us um, do and, and, and keep, uh, it can help us when we are relying on one another um, in terms of, you know, rather than being the one to do all of the things and to be so perfect and like, oh, well, only I can do that thing. Not only do we help ourselves and one another, but we're modeling that behavior for others, which is, I think, really like a huge part of leadership is is modeling that um, modeling behaviors and living into the things that we proclaim um, and also recognizing that as religious leaders, we are, you know, in caring for ourselves, we are keeping ourselves from, like you mentioned when you said the bleeding on others, you know, I think that's a really interesting uh, topic for boundaries and how with, like, as a, as a minister, if I have something going on, that's, you know, really like a health issue or something like that. When I, um, I, I need to be, I will need to be very aware and be very careful about what I share with the congregation because if I, you know, I could accidentally put myself into the position of needing to, of, of the congregants feeling like they need to care for me or feeling like, oh, I can't reach out because, you know, oh, Megan's not feeling well. Um, I have this problem, but I don't want to bother her. You know, she's not really, you know, doing well or, you know, something like that. So that's a really uh, interesting, it's an interesting boundary. And it's something that I think is really important to think about and talk about with one another and with our colleagues and, and have checks and balances and be able to do that little, like, you know, call, call a friend and say, like, this is what I'm going through. I need a little, like, I need, I need a reality check here. You know, what, what is appropriate? What isn't appropriate um, in terms of sharing and how much to share and when to share. Right. Wanting to balance that authenticity and let people know if you're, I mean, I think in some, sometimes it's important that your congregation know that you're going through some stuff, if that affects you know, what needs to be done in a congregation, but it's a really, really sticky boundary. I mean, we could have a whole episode on boundaries. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe that's something that um, we might get some questions about when we have our live events uh, coming up this later this week on Thursday evening at 7 p.m. Uh, we are uh, thrilled and excited to be trying out this new thing f- for us. Um, and maybe this will be new for some of you, our listeners also, that I don't know if you've ever participated in a live um, online live event like this, like asking questions and, and things like that. So 
think if you have any questions, I think you what you're gonna you're gonna be able to like set, you can put those in the chat, you can put those in the comments, you can ask us those questions, and then um, our very um, help, helpful and capable and amazing rock um, foundation for our uh, media ministry here, Amy will. Uh, pass those questions along to us, help us make sure that we can see the questions and then we will say them, you know, out loud and then grab, like figure out how to answer them and take turns answering them, grapple with these questions. And um, we're really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be like, I can't wait to hear what kinds of questions you all have. And also, by the way, we might not have all of the answers for all of the questions, but we would like to hear what they are and, and see what we can come up with and grapple with. And maybe we'll even find some material that we will need to continue into discussing as we go into season two next fall. So this on this this online event is our, our big recap of our season. And this is a brand new thing for Carrie and I, and we're very um, thrilled that you all are along this journey with us. And we can't wait to share this live event with all of you. So have a great day, everyone. And See you, you soon. If you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at podcast at ccny.org. The um, live event is May 27th, 2021 at 7 p.m. in case people are watching this months later. <laughs> Good point, Gary. <laughs> Thank you. And I didn't say the date. I just said this Thursday. Yeah, May 27th, 7 p.m., 2021. See you then. Bye, everyone.